Moncrief on News Talk. Stuff that changed the world. The mobile phone, the internet changed the world. Penicillin, I would have thought. I would say sanitation. It changes everything. Yeah, Simon Tierney joins us, as he always does this time on a Monday, to look at an invention uh, that has impacted the world greatly. And this week, Simon, you're looking at curry. Indeed, Tom. Uh, are you a curry yes. man? Huge curry fan. Absolutely uh, mad about it. Now, when you uh, go into... a world without it. When you're going down through the, the takeaway menu or the restaurant menu and there's like one chilli... Uh, in the image or three chilies or four chilies what sort of level of curry are we talking about I'd but, be leaning towards the three or four um, oh spicy yeah spicy but I do find that, that is a very um subjective field and one restaurant's three chilies is should be another restaurant's 50 chilies completely I, completely yeah, it's I, like it's like the size small in one shop is like an extra large in another shop. Yes. <laughs> um, well, do you know what? It's interesting. The curry is a very complicated word. It has many layers of history on it. It's a very colonial word. Um, in many ways, it's an example of cultural reductionism. A lot of Indian people don't like the word. Um, and and the reasons for that will become apparent. But first of all, we need to look at how divergent our understanding of this word is in the West compared to its understanding in the subcontinent. So we, when we talk about a curry, we think of uh, chicken, lamb, vegetable, pork, beef dish, which is very spicy. Um, generally, that's that's what we think of as curry something that probably has cumin, turmeric, coriander, ginger, these kind of things. That's our understanding of it. But for an Indian person, a curry comes from the Tamil word. Tamil is a region in the southeast of India, and it's the word kari, K-A-H-R-I. And this really, in the best translation, probably means something like gravy, or sauce. Right. So whereas we might say, ah, Tom, let's get an Indian tonight, it's unlikely that an Indian person would say, let's get a gravy tonight. Okay, okay, <laughs> right. So it has changed down the years, basically. Um, it's gone from one thing in, in India to a different thing now with us. Um, but that's down to uh, colonialism, really, isn't it? Ah, it is, really. Um, I started the item by saying that we associate it with, with the heat, with the spiciness of it. But people forget that the chilli itself is a South American fruit, Central and South American fruit. Uh, it was brought to India. Um, that was a colonial influence on their cuisine. So before the Portuguese arrived in the late 15th century, the only spice in Indian food actually came from the black peppercorn. But the Portuguese were the first to colonise India, Goa in particular, on the west, mid-west coast, still uh, spoken Portuguese there today, Tom, which is an interesting other wow. story to discuss on another day. But um, they brought a number of really important things. When they discovered Indian cooking, when they arrived there, when they landed in, in the 15th century, they realised that the cooking methods were generally to do with stewing. A lot of Indian parts of India d didn't use ovens at that time, apart from tandoori, of course. 
And this reliance on stewing necessitates a lot of liquid in the food. This is the sauce or the gravy. And curry was used to describe that sauce. And in typical colonial fashion, there's this cultural reductionism of kind of generally talking about Indian cooking as curry. But of course, curry is only a tiny part of Indian cooking. That stuck. And then when the British arrived a little bit later, the the British, of course, their relationship with India, beginning with the highly influential and extremely powerful East India Company, um, they, they took the Portuguese understanding of curry uh, and used it the, the, the same way. I mean, the word curry in um, English, it's the exact same word in Portuguese. I just checked it before I came right. in, which is interesting in itself. So the other thing that I should say is, I don't know if you've ever had a vindaloo, Tom. Yes, indeed, I have. I think when you go to the UK, you have to have a vindaloo. It's part of the, you know, getting the experience in English vindaloo is just part of the deal. Well, as they say, Tom, there's nothing more British than a curry. (laughs) 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 And it's so funny that you say that because it was the thing that Del Boy used to love at the end of a a long night of pina coladas in the nag's head was to get a vindaloo. (laughs) But um, the vindaloo... This is hilarious. I couldn't believe this when I worked out the etymology of it. But the Portuguese brought the idea of cooking with vinegar and uh, garlic to India. Two very important ingredients in a lot of Indian cooking today. But they took this, uh, the vin, vin for vinegar, and alu is from the Portuguese word for garlic. So vindaloo is vinegar-garlic dish and is directly influenced by that Portuguese colonialism. My God, that is an absolute showstopper. That I can see people all over Ireland staring at the radio in disbelief and saying, the vindaloo, you didn't even know where the word was from, you just assumed it was something deeply Indian anyway. It's actually Portuguese and it's vinegar and garlic. Yeah, extraordinary. Um, Perhaps the best summation of how our understanding of curry is so influenced by colonialism is curry powder. Curry powder is something that you're unlikely to get if you're in India because they would source all the different ingredients, of course, which is a much better way of doing it. But the British invented curry powder in at least the late 18th century. We know that curry powder was something that you could buy in London from 1784, in fact. Wow. And this is the East India Company officers, when they were coming back to Europe, they wanted a handy way to enjoy the meals that they had become accustomed to in the coastal areas of the subcontinent. And they would have asked their Indian staff to source lots of different ingredients and put them together in a handy kind of jar. Uh, Cumin, your chilies, your turmerics, coriander and ginger, as I said before, being the most traditional ingredients in a curry powder. These were all put together and they were brought back. It was a cheaper, more efficient way of making curry or Indian dishes travel. And um, the expense, of you, course, of shipping shipping spices, yeah. and and that 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 was the the reason why curry powder came about. 
You wouldn't really say a bad word against it, though, would you? I mean, it, it, would we not agree that curry powder is a pretty brilliant invention? It is. It's a it's a brilliant invention, but it is again this kind of very reductionist view of a very long and complicated culinary history. Like in wow. from the from the post independence period, India got their independence in 1947. And there was a, there's been an attempt for many decades to reclaim what curry means or what Indian cuisine stands for. And I found this incredible qu- quotation at the end of last week when I was researching this, Tom. And I want to read it out for you because it was really yeah. eye-opening for me because I didn't realise that for a lot of Indian people, the way their cuisine has been kind of taken up by other countries in one way is very flattering but in other ways as i say is is very reductionist and there's this famous indian chef madhur jaffrey and she said in her 1974 book invitation to indian cookery she said what you don't need is curry powder to me the word curry is as degrading to india's great cuisine as the term chop suey was to China. Of course, chop suey means leftover food. No Indian ever uses curry powder. If curry is an oversimplified name for an ancient cuisine, then curry powder attempts to oversimplify and destroy the cuisine itself. Right, she had very strong views on curry powder, that's for sure then. Um, You know, can the two not coexist? Can you not have an appreciation of Indian cuisine and all of its different spices and how you bring things together and also accept that curry powder is still, you know, has its place in the world? It'd be like the potato arriving in India and everyone saying, shall we get potato tonight? (laughs) It'd be like Irish food is potato. Well, I, I'm un- I understand that, you know, you need to be sensitive to the cultural differences <laughs> there and I will do that. But I will say chips and a curry sauce, you know, I'll leave it at that. So um, to carry on then, the, 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 the Indian restaurants, they were actually opening in Britain as early as 1810. Yeah, extraordinary story and a really important Irish angle here, Tom. Sheikh Dean Mohammed, who I wrote about in the book version of Stuff That Changed the World, because he, in a very different part of his life, invented shampoo. Um, shampoo is an Indian invention coming from the Hindi champo. But he and his Irish wife, Jane Daly, they opened Britain's first Indian restaurant, the Houdistan Coffee House, in 1810. But they had, um, the man who opened it, this Sheikh Dean Mohammed, he had lived with Jane Daly on the South Mall in Cork for 25 years. He originally came over to here, to, to Cork, uh, to learn English. And then he moved to, to England to start his shampoo business and his Indian restaurant business. Then, over a century later, 1908, we get Ireland's first Indian restaurant. Where was that? That was on Upper Sackville Street, which is O'Connell Street, God. of course. It was It was all going on on Sackville Street, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, well, that was very much the cultural heartland of, of Dublin. And Karim Khan, who was a famous, or at least he was described, described in his advertisements in the Irish Times as a very famous Indian chef. And he set up this restaurant called the Indian Restaurant and Tea Rooms. You know you're the first restaurant when you call yourself... The Indian restaurant <laughs> um, that was uh, just beside the Gresham Hotel. I've, you've uh, reproduced an ad from 1908 from the Irish Times. God, 
It looks great. And the waiters um, served by native waiters in costume. Yeah, it was advertised as, as, I guess this was supposed to be the draw for curious Dubliners, that they would get to see what real Indian people looked like. And you can imagine the kind of the kind of uh, the, the theatre of that at the time, Ireland, very sheltered, very unusual to see people with different coloured skin and different yeah. customs and traditions. So that's the way it was advertised. Now, the, um, the before I finish, I did want to, want to mention one thing because I guarantee yep. you a lot of the listeners, Tom, when they yep. think of fancy a curry, well, we have a curry tonight. A lot of the most popular curry dish in this country is. Do you know what it is? I know it's chicken tikka masala because I have children, and it's what every child seems to go for. It's like it's an acceptable, the acceptable face. Um, it's not very spicy. It's not very strong. It's loads of sauce on it. Um, so it's it's very very popular. Uh, popular with kids, but also with with adults. It's just such a popular dish. There's two theories as to where it came from. The first theory is that it was invented by an Indian chef in Glasgow in the 1970s. Uh, sorry, I tell a lie, a Bangladeshi chef, I should say, um, because he wanted to get more co- customers interested in his food if he made it milder. And of course, chicken tikka masala is made with um, coconut milk and yogurt and all these things which have a softening impact yeah. on the spiciness of a dish. Another theory which... It's hard to know, but is that it comes from butter chicken. Now, I've had butter Mm. chicken many times and they're in many ways, they're almost indistinguishable from each other. Um, They're both have very similar ingredients. So it, it may be that. Who knows? Fascinating stuff as always, Simon. Thank you very much for that. Um, always a pleasure talking to you. Moncrief on News Talk.